Hey guys, welcome to episode 20, Placebo Party of Fringe with Benefits. I'm your host, Stacy, also known as Crazy Stacy, Warrior Princess, and Nebraska Manhands McGee. I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. All right, let's uh, knock all the businessy stuff out of the way, shall we? Make sure you uh, visit all my social medias. We've got a Fringe with Benefits Facebook page. We've got a Facebook fan page for my Naked and Afraid Debois. Is that right? Debois? Debut? <laughs> oh, my fan page debut at Stacy Leosorio. Inward Survival's Facebook page. Go check that out. My Twitter is at Stacy Fringe. If you go follow... I will follow you back from my personal page there. And Instagram is at golden underscore Valkyrie underscore. YouTube is at golden Valkyrification. Go visit um, inwardsurvival.com. There are ways to donate. There's a blog. There's access to the podcast there. Not that like you need to do that because you're already listening. Go check out the show's Facebook page. And then make sure that you share the show. If you like the show, share it with your friends. Tell your friends about it. It's really the only way that we're going to get the show to grow. Not that I really care that much. But, it, you know, it'd be nice if more people wanted to listen or actually liked it. Make sure you visit the show's homepage on Anchor and click support the show button. And thank you to all of our subscribers. Love you to pieces. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go give me a rating and review. We like five stars. We don't like bad reviews, but I would understand. If you want to say something shitty to me, send me an email. You can send me an email at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. I want to know you guys. I want some feedback. Send me some mail. Hit me up on social media. I love it. Welcome to the accountability segment of the show. This is where I just talk about things I feel bad about or things that I might want to, I don't know, give a second thought to or any mistakes that I've made on a previous episode. I want to extend all of my gratitude to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the feedback. I love it when you message me and we talk about the topics and you you update me on what you're thinking and maybe give me some good pointers and advice and and new topics, new things to talk about. I do realize that I take a pretty unpopular stance on some things, but thanks for liking me anyways, and thank you for sharing your thoughts, and thank you for sharing the show. For some reason, when I share links to the pod, it gets zero interaction, like if I share a link to the podcast on my social medias, and it's either one, people hate it and ignore it, or two, I'm being partially shadow banned and people aren't even seeing it. So that's really interesting that I could post a really, really stupid meme and it gets a lot of engagement and then I share an episode of the podcast and nobody likes it. Or maybe one or two people that for somehow, for some reason, see it on their feed will will like it. And it's weird, you know, because it's kind of embarrassing to already put myself out there, but when nobody is interacting with me on the things that I actually care about and not some stupid meme, it's kind of awkward. So my blogs, my fundraising, and my YouTube content doesn't get seen, and it's not really a big deal, but it's it's kind of confusing for me. And so I don't know really what's going on, but if you do see me share something, give it a like or just comment on it and let me know that you're seeing it. That would be really cool. So I'm actually a lot more comfortable with 
not a lot of people listening and not a lot of people seeing it. Because <laughs> I, I don't want fame. I want interaction with meaning and substance. And I want to be of use to society and of use to my community. Plus, I do this for me first, pretty much. You know, it's a little self-care for the loud-mouthed extrovert, pretty much. Thanks for listening again. Let's move on with Stacy Socials. Before we dive into Stacy's socials, I just wanted to catch you guys up real quick. I am so sorry that um, these episodes weren't put out on time. I'm trying to actually do this one at the end of the Christmas break because I gave myself a couple weeks. I think it was a couple weeks because I haven't posted it since I think December 13th. So here we are in the new year. Happy New Year. Stacy's socials this week basically wanted to talk about a video that I saw that was pretty funny. And it was a TikTok video of a young woman with a very stoned dog. It was super funny, but also really suspicious. Like Jinx, his name, that's the dog, is a tiny chihuahua. So how did he get into the kitchen trash can? He's absolutely tiny. And next, why would anyone throw out their edibles? Those are pretty expensive, right? Someone brought this to my attention and after thinking about it, I became concerned. Like, would someone actually do this intentionally for likes? Possibly. In this world, people do all sorts of weird shit for attention online, you know? And I'm sure he recovered and everything is cool, but let's be careful about kids or animals getting into our stash. Speaking from experience, too much THC can be a very unpleasant experience. Watch it for yourself and tell me what you think. I linked it below. I want you to check that out. This week's viral corner is super, super current. Super hot news. Is it our expected alien invasion false flag? Or is it truly our interstellar brothers and sisters? January 1st, 2021, Hawaii News Now reports multiple sightings of a blue-lit craft hovering and moving quickly over the ocean. Several eyewitness videos are featured Leeward Oahu residents around, I don't know, 2030 uh, Tuesday saw a glowing oblong mass. They saw a glowing oblong mass both in the sky and in the water. The FAA was notified by local law enforcement, and the FAA says there were no incidences. Like there were no incidents of uh, missing aircraft or any, any crashing aircraft. Witnesses say that they saw it fall from the sky and into the ocean. One lady got into her car and actually followed it for about three miles before it dove into the ocean. It had no sound, and it was about the size of a telephone pole, she said. Her name was Mariah. That's Lady One who followed it. She said there was a second light, a white one, traveling in the same direction, and then it went behind a mountain where she lost um, she lost sight of it. Anyone else see this increase in frequency of UFO UAP stories in the news? I've been noticing them. So word on the street is that they're going to start disclosing more over time. People will be super surprised. And I will, for one, be stoked. After my whole life telling everyone I believe in the existence of ETs and being laughed at, this will be super satisfying. All right, this week's mailbag is super exciting. That's why I really wanted to get it out of the way before we did our weekly topic. In fact, I might just flip those all together. Just it seems like Reading the mail before we get into the week's discussion just makes more sense to me. I'm going to share the creepiest 
longest email the show has ever received so far, and I will keep his name confidential. I will not read it word for word, but I'll share most of the pertinent info. If anyone listening can help this man, please email me and I'll pass on the information. Also, please please send me your stories at fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. That's where you can reach me if you want to get in touch with this guy. Fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. This one is a real doozy. This guy is claiming he's a victim of a human rights crime. Do you remember that movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson? It's like that. What he sent me is a fully documented account as of December of this last year. And so it's super recent. And it's not written as a story. It's a timeline of sorts. He claims to be a victim of surveillance technology. He's had loads of contact with police and medical professionals to try to get some help for this. So allow me to read some of his words and just buckle up. So it's titled, News Tip About Human Rights Crime in the U.S. by Bad Actors Within and Outside the Government. He says, Below is my account of my experience and effort in discovering the bad actors within and outside the U.S. government attempting to cover up this illegal operation. If you're interested in helping me, I will send audio and video files showing their use of technology. A sound engineer may be needed along with the expert on sound waves, radio waves, microwaves, along with physics and electronics. So he's he's contacted the inspector general office and the Air Force because of the use of either satellites and or advanced drones as a way to use the surveillance technology to track me and continue the psychological warfare tactics when I left to Washington on the week of Labor Day 2020. The following is the most complete description of my experience. The surveillance system is likely includes micro surveillance earpieces from such companies as Minorian Pro or Brickhouse Securities micro Bluetooth spy earpiece. This level of earpiece to surveillance technology was made available to the general public a few years ago. However, the earpiece actually applied on me may be smaller, military-grade version, and has been on me since 2018. These micro-devices can work with other technologies such as drones for tracking. This was told to me by one of the people communicating with me through the technology. Also, when I was outside in the parking lot, someone screamed, It's an earpiece! I have noticed law enforcement around more since my attempts to get help. However, as will hopefully become clear, there is a disconnect between the government operatives that are conducting this now illegal operation and the law enforcement who may be helping me or wanting to give me and others that are now aware of this situation the perception that they are helping me. He says this earpiece, or however this surveillance system works, also has a function like MIT's Massachusetts Institute of Technology alter ego's ability to monitor sub-vocalization. This would be talking to yourself in your head. I am unsure of the entire functionality of how this is accomplished in the system. The surveillance system also uses other electronics, including magnets, which they have installed in or close to my mom's second floor apartment. The technology installed within and around my mom's apartment, including drilling into the stone from downstairs, may help amplify the sound. So he's also, he's talking about a military tactic being practiced to assess his mental acuity that a threat to the executive branch is to constantly mention President Trump. He says in one of the hospital incidences, the use of professional level impersonator of the president was used. This seems to be a source of the Secret Service for security purposes. Not sure exactly what he means by that. He's saying that he was a threat to the executive branch at some time. And he says that there's descriptions of a military tactic using outlandish and whimsical descriptions of popular culture conspiracy theories. 
to assess the mental condition of a person by using conspiracy theories to confuse these vulnerable into believing such conspiracies, that it is a psychological warfare tactic. From about April to July 2018, he worked at a manufacturing site of Jabil, a military technology contractor. It may have been that since I was somewhat socially distant and had an emotive personality that I was profiled as a security threat. Because of the security concerns of this company, I was suspect I suspect I was beginning to be monitored. He says he completely understands that and and however he will continue to explain this is his words. Sorry, I keep going back and forth. I am confident that a combination of Jabil, the New York City Police Department and Terrorism Division and possibly members of the organized crime organization known as, I don't know if I want to say this name, but I'm going to say it, Cosa Notra of the United States. I have not researched these people, but I did look up this company that he says is a military technology contractor, and they're legit. So also this um, this mob, and that um, they have collaborated to threaten and attempt to destroy the life of him, his mom, his family, and everyone he loves and cherishes or at a minimum, made these claims as they followed me throughout the country using this still ongoing operation. So he said while he worked at this company, he also worked at a pizza shop called Tour de Pizza on the weekends. At that time, he lived at, I'm not going to tell you, and he he was witness to um, a child that was being raped in one of the rooms next to him. And so he called a hotline and reported it. He actually drove out of the state he was living in. He was in Florida at that time, made this report. He said he was really paranoid and he was smoking a lot of pot at that time. But he said he does no longer um, smoke and he's staying sober, especially because he wants to testify about what's going on. It said that he said that it helped him quit his smoking. And he he hopes that he's, you know, still believed even though, and of course, we're, we're still going to believe him even though he's smoked pot. He thought he was being followed for quite a bit of time. And um, there was a lot of, you know, he was seeing drones and that people were watching him. He said that there are people that were trying to sneak up behind him and filming him from a boat. And there was a time where he actually confronted some of these people and they became defensive. There are several accounts in which he's been, you'll see. So then he drives all the way to Illinois and he was working on a lawsuit and a complaint against his former employer. This is a different employer. This is air gas. He was working for them in Pennsylvania. So this guy's been all over the country. He discovered that his former co-workers and managers coordinated to find out if he was going to sue the managers or anyone at HR who handled an, a, a complaint he actually filed. He also suspected that his car was bugged. There in Illinois, while he was traveling, a truck driver signaled to him that he should go back home. And as he was traveling, he was in one motel and became paranoid and then went to another hotel. Someone outside the hall said to him, quote, it should be sci-fi calligraphy, end quote. He wanted to write science fiction stories, and he opened this account to publish his writing on a Twitter account. When he was arriving back to St. Petersburg, he stopped in Pensacola, and he said he wanted to die. He thought someone was following him. He saw lights in the sky. They were drones. And someone said, don't ever say the word, don't ever repeat it, which is basically saying that they meant to say that I shouldn't mention the drones to anyone. I eventually came back home, and this is one of the first times I considered it to be Jabil, which is that company. I was scared that the drones were tracking me. Why would someone who called a rape hotline and was suing a former employer to be followed by drones? So he's thinking that the circumstances which brought him there was the reason why he was being surveillanced. 
So he drove back. He walked into his mom's apartment and someone said, don't go back to the pizza place. And they also said, your mom looks nice. So he's hearing this through this earpiece that he thinks has been placed into his head. Now, he said he became aware of this MIT's alter ego technology while in New York City in 2018. This technology, he says, can hear you talking to yourself in your mind, sub-vocalization. I am confident the U.S. government has created a similar and more invasive surveillance technology that functions in the same way and that this surveillance system has been applied to me. He tries to communicate with them through this technology, and they told him that when I called the rape hotline and the car next to me were listening in on him. They didn't say how, but I imagine those toys can hear conversations or deliver a message to someone talking. So he, he's hearing people taunt him from other vehicles, from on the side of the road, people that are just walking by. And from this, he's become extremely paranoid. He said he recalls about a news report he heard mentoring, mentioning that organized crime used drones and law enforcement hadn't discovered that it was occurring, which I'm sure that that's happening here, has happened. However, it is more likely that this is a government operation, and they discovered any criminals planning to hurt me as either a side issue or a potential for them to collaborate with the criminals. I will attempt to explain why I believe this. So when he returned, he says he doesn't remember when he emailed Amnesty International and others about his concerns about Jabil and the people pursuing to hurt him. He thought it, were, it was a combination of Jabil, Airgas, and the pizza place and his co-workers. He was afraid that this company had entered his mom's apartment, and he was afraid that he would turn him into a vegetable through all of this, this harassment is basically what it was. He said when he thought that, he, they mocked him through his earpiece about him mentioning the vegetable description and corrected me by saying, you mean a vegetative state. So that's pretty interesting, right? So he ended up having a nervous breakdown and went to the hospital. And he says that it felt as if someone was talking to him from a small speaker, but then... Again, it was likely a micro device implanted in my left ear or in combination with other technology placed in my mom's house. It was odd and he thought he was going crazy. He said he was crying and he said, please imagine if you started hearing someone communicate with you and you're in bed trying to fall asleep. So the taunting that we talked about before, he said, included them saying that he should never write again and that he should run naked outside. And then he went, he went to another hospital, it looks like, in St. Petersburg. He can't remember. He woke up in a mental health facility because they put him to sleep. And this is when he thinks that they implanted him. After a week or so at that institution, he decided to move to New York City. And this was October 3rd, 2018. So this has been going on for a couple of years for this guy. He was accepted into the homeless system managed by the Neighborhood Association for Intercultural Affairs and was assigned at the Bronx Hotel. He gives all these addresses. He's documented this very well. He was looking for work, job training, and started smoking a lot of pot. He says it sounds weird, but he was really afraid. Everything freaked him out. That's when I thought in my head, when I saw the front of the club, I heard someone say, kill him. I don't know why that sticks out in my mind, but it happened. Despite that, everything seemed all right until March 2019. So around March 2019, he sent the ACLU an email concerned about the two issues. One was that after seeing news reports about the 737 MAX engine software failure and corresponding disasters, he was concerned because he worked at Jubil and what happened there. When he worked there from February 2018 to July 2018, there was an instance when the GE producer general, I don't know, GE production line had issues and was shut down. GE helps to make Boeing airplane engines. 
He was concerned about carcinogens in the manufacturing plant, and there were two people he had met who had medical issues. One had cancer in the face and was never healing, and the other had a growth inside their stomach that just kept growing. I once felt my tongue swollen and felt headaches when working at the station with an x-ray machine. I made an official complaint while there, while working there about the x-ray machine. He said that while he was working at Jabil, he was told about an OSHA inspections were not thorough, which how surprising is that really, you know? And he was constantly forced into conversations about politics and frequently asked about his perspective and it made him uncomfortable. He also said that um, someone said to him during another job at a train stop, or I'm sorry, he skipped the stop to his job by one train stop and someone said, I don't like this guy. He passed a few cops in front of a large building and someone said, kill that guy. They suggested that I add this, kill this guy, kill that guy part. This is the only instance that I added thinking it was even true, even though I didn't hear it because it corresponded with the other police experiences in the streets of New York City. And I figured they knew. What's this guy's problem? When he went to report his concern to a police station, it felt like he was being watched. Someone said from the police radio, don't walk in the city when he was walking in the street in Bronx. He's hearing things come out of public speakers, in stores, on the street, from vehicles. He hears someone say, an undercover cop is going to shoot you in the head. Other people looked at me and heard this. So he's noticing other people heard this, or maybe he's just imagining that other people are hearing this. So he was also at the food stamp office in Bronx, and he said that it sounded like it came from the television speakers of the TV in the waiting area. I heard someone telling them that I shouldn't go to Congress to testify about Jabil and that the Casa Nostra was targeting me because I violated one of their codes. I've never heard about the Cosa Nostra until that day. They said not to go to the McDonald's at 372 Fordham in the Bronx. I don't know what they meant. When he was at the Bronx Motel in bed, he heard someone ask about me outside. He has contacted the New York Police Department about cameras and if there was an investigation and if they send it a rejected email that I either cannot access the information or it doesn't exist or that they are not the correct department. It can it goes on and on that they he was being harassed while he was at this homeless shelter. They were harassing him in his room, constantly asking me if I wanted to join this gang and if I wanted to work for the government. They kept claiming to be everybody from my past, the people I had problems with at air gas, the people I, that call, I called the rape hotline on. They were telling me to kill myself. I was confused and I thought I would do it. I was unsure. He, you know, as he said, he had a nervous breakdown at the Bronx Hotel, and they convinced me to punch one of the security guards. He had gotten arrested for stealing pies at a fast food place, and he did this because they were taunting me to kill myself through this technology, and I figured the only way to be safe was to be arrested. The police let me go later that day, and I was offered to attend a program to take that petty crime off my record, which I did. I believe they wanted me to hit someone to go to jail so they could terminate me there. After being taunted, he decided to go to the airport to report who I, who I believe were Port Authority officers about my email I sent in March 2019 to the ACLU about Jabil and New York City Police Terrorism Unit. They called an ambulance and took me to Elmhurst Hospital in Queens. So why would he go to the airport authority officers to talk about his ACLU email? That's a question that I have. He says, while he was at the hospital in Queens, Elmhurst, an African-American man... 
He threatened him and his mom. It looked like he was talking with something in his mouth and he had something in his hand that looked like an old iPod, but I heard it in the speaker above me in the hospital, or at least I thought I did because I was not aware of the micro device or exactly how this technology works. At this time, someone who sounded like one of my former female co-workers from Airgas named, I'm not going to say, told me her husband's mother is a lawyer and part of this gang. At one time, a police officer stood next to me and told me, we are protecting you. He talks about all these hospital visits and all these other experiences in which he was, for one, he was on the bus. Someone was using the bus speakers to taunt him. He says, I'm telling you all these locations because I'm requesting a Freedom of Information Act on the vehicle locations, agents, and other municipal or government workers, including Javil investigators who were tracking me while I was in New York City. One thing is that they were mispronouncing Casa Nostra, probably like how I am, until I corrected them. This is one of the things that makes me think something else is going on that I'm not aware of. He continues to be threatened. Um, I guess a young teenage girl screamed out the bus window to him. You're lucky you're not dead. It's likely a drone sent the message to the bus and in this way convinced a minder to taunt me. They've used strangers like this before. The people seem to be intimidated and repeat what they ask them to say. Television speakers say, don't go out. When I was in the train in New York City, I was talking to myself in my head, demanding they tell me the truth, and suddenly an attractive African-American lady said, stop talking. This coincides with them telling me not to talk when I went to the Costco store, and this was before I realized that sometimes when I talk, I can be heard through speakers. He also claims that they practice psychological torture with a professional-level impersonator of President Trump. He believes that it was a Secret Service staff member, and someone said that President Trump wanted something in relation to me, but I forgot exactly what. They've also said he can't beat the president. He, he's been in and out of these hospitals and has all kinds of stuff that... Um, has occurred while he's been in these hospitals. He said there's a hospital-related diversion tactic. He thought he had an auditory illusions. He, he thought he had auditory illusions, or um, with, with auto, I'm not even sure what that would be. Auditory psychosis, maybe, or uh, typical confusion. He said, I started using the hospital system as a place to ensure what I was experiencing in the hospitals and for safety reasons. Like all hospitals, everyone that enters or leaves a hospital is, for the most part, monitored or their activity in the hospital is recorded in some way. He noticed that at times there had been recent hospital patients that would also talk about government conspiracies. They proceeded to tell me things about my life that I had never told anyone. They proceeded to tell me that they were former co-workers, and I made a complaint about managers and co-workers because of racism. I was eventually fired. Let's see, we're going to have to skip through some of this. They also claimed they were the people I called the rape hotline on. How could they know that I called the rape and sex trafficking hotline? The person claiming they come for a vendetta from the people I called the rape line said that the little girl was his property and that she cost $7,000 and that all those people got together to pay this gang to kill him. This guy threatened a construction worker out on the street, threatened his safety, and for him and his mom... And he saw this guy driving around his mom's apartment looking at us. He says it feels like a group has been investigating him. He fears it's a consortium that includes this gang, the New York City Police, and this other company that he worked for, and a combination of corrupt government workers and possibly former co-workers. Now, let's break real quick. We go back to the movie that I mentioned. That is what it reminded me of. Everybody in the movie 
thinks that Mel Gibson's absolutely insane. In fact, he does look like a babbling homeless idiot spouting off all this conspiracy mumbo jumbo. But what really was going on was somebody was actually experimenting on him and doing kind of an MK Ultra mind control, um, gang stalking, targeted individual thing on this poor guy. They again say he should kill himself and threatened his family in that he was going to literally jump in front of a train. He's just had enough of this whole thing. So he literally travels to the West Coast. He's, he's all over the place from D.C. to New York to New Jersey to Florida. There's, you know, these sounds that are sounds like they're coming from speakers and they're like convincing him to do stuff to drop his wallet he says they have his ID, his passport card, a picture of his mom. He said there should be videos of him and hopefully these perpetrators. So when he talked about the Freedom of Information Act, he can try to summon any kind of like um, city surveillance or transportation surveillance that will show him as well as these people that are actually talking to him. And he's just really pleading for people's help. He says they'll harass him while he sleeps, harass him at his mom's apartment. He said that he would be hearing things through the grocery store speakers and someone, while leaving the store, someone yelled, get him out of here. They would prevent him from sleeping. He said that there are sounds that resemble a dial-up modem. And it also sounds they use a sample of a person screaming in an annoying pitch and then the sample of some sound that constantly repeats also in a weird way resembling a dial-up modem. They once taunted him to respond to something they said and adjusted the volume according to his voice. He says they may manipulate his auditory perception. His perception may give him the view that someone is walking behind him, makes a threat, but in actuality it's a sound wave from their communication signal being transmitted. The surveillance system may use the metal in teeth and possibly other material within the human head. They told me that prisoners use this technology to communicate in prison when they're in solitary confinement. The system likely uses radio waves or other types of waves and electricity to deliver the message. I fear that vulnerable communities can be experimenting on with this technology, such as the homeless. There may be a risk of this communication technology being used in the financial industry, sports, and other sensitive areas. My guess is this technology may be developed around the Red Scare or World War II era. I don't know why I think that, if I remember right... I saw the celebrity Lucille Ball mentioned in an interview about radio signals transmitted via metal in the mouth. I saw this years ago. Now, he can reduce the volume of this thing sometimes when he presses his fingers on the opening of his ears near the ear part shaped like a little arch. And so he'll press that little part of his ear to try to bring down the high-pitched sounds. He'll put on or take off noise reduction headphones, and it takes him a few seconds to adjust he can hear the taunting dial-up modem-like sounds and the threats. And then there's a white noise or a physical buzzing on the left side, and he's felt vibrations along his ear and parts of his head. He says being grounded seems to amplify the sound, and this aligns with them using magnets or electricity in some way. It also feels like they may be using magnets to convert objects into speakers. Unbelievable some of the stuff that this guy is, is hearing and what these people are saying to him and he doesn't know why or who and like he's got some ideas about who may have done it and it seems like he's worked at um, a couple places in which it it could be kind of suspect so if you start hearing things out of the grocery store speakers or you know like you can talk in your head and hear a response there are many many conditions of um, mental health that could cause this kind of problem 
but what would it be like to not be believed and just be locked up? So he tried to, he even tried to call the, the FBI. They've hung up on him. It's just a constant barrage of um, psychological assault on this guy. And it's just absolutely really, really scary and really sad. They're driving him freaking nuts, pretty much. So he also says that they're actively monitoring all of his consumption of media and assessing if he believes conspiracy theories. He also says, what if aliens conspired with organized crime to rule the world? And I told them that when they were taunting me about the idea. He also told him of a movie idea of a collective of beings or spirits of regular people that combine to communicate and form a kind of human internet to combat evil in the world. I would tell them, this is his words, we are the watch. So I guess when they communicate, they exchange banter and insults. He goes on to say, they said that the Costa Nostra are aliens. And I said, okay, sure. I told him that I felt that quantum computers and quantum robots may be, can maybe be manipulated by emotional people. I told them that I thought there was something about the moon because the news said researchers found something in the moon. So I figured I'd play along. They said that there is something in the moon. From this playful banter, I imagined something in water, likely a robot. So then he talks about his adventures. He actually literally like takes off and goes to the West Coast. And he was all over California, all over Washington State. Now, real quick about grocery stores. He says he's gone to all kinds of grocery stores. He's experienced that when he talks, he can hear himself in the store speakers while they communicate with him. He says that um, he's merely just trying to explain his perspective. He knows it sounds absolutely crazy. And I have a lot of compassion for this man. I'm not sure who could help him, but I will pray for him for sure. He gives a couple other Twitter, Twitter handles. He, he, brings some, he, he makes some sort of connection with like maybe these sounds and how they would affect animals. He noticed like dogs have reacted to him. So maybe they're hearing some kind of frequency that people can't hear. He says his suspicion of law enforcement, a good reason for much of my confusion with his technology and my surroundings, especially with how the communication system impacts my auditory perception. They keep saying that they're trying to help me and that I don't give them any credit for helping. There are many things here that they have helped with. For example, constantly asking if I included everything as I was getting closer to completing the most thorough version of this account. I would not have included the details about my attempt to go to Canada in the week of Labor Day 2020 without them pushing me. They constantly say that my motivation is weak. In my limited understanding, they were trying to protect me with various technology. At least that's what they have communicated, and that makes sense to a point. However, this changed because when I went to New York and everything since New York seems to be a cover-up because they were really helping, if they were really helping, why wouldn't the authorities bring me in and inform me of how they're helping and place me in a witness protection program or some other debriefing if my perception is so wrong about what has occurred and the facts? He closes by saying he's grateful for attention to this. He says, I'm grateful for your attention and I hope to answer all questions. This is an odd situation to me. And so I reacted in what I thought was a way to react in the worst case scenario. In that this was a coordinated effort to hide facts that should be known to both our American and international community, especially when it comes to Jabil, since they have multiple manufacturing facilities throughout the world because of international nature of the 737 MAX airplane disasters, which I, I don't know what that is. If anybody wants to tell me about that, I haven't researched that yet. The application, he goes on to say, the application of the surveillance technology on me was not my choice, and so an aspect of it was applied on my body and my mother's home, including all of the corresponding surveillance tools. 
he thinks he was a survey um, a security threat to that company and that they they put him on some sort of surveillance thing he's willing to testify he wants somebody to look into this he says he does not trust this apparent attempt and helping because he just doesn't see any sense in what's going on and so he's completely logged all the dates of all the locations where he was at all the facilities he's been to medical services dates dates of surveillance information requests and it's just pages upon pages of of this man's it's kind of like a an affidavit it's it's just a complete documentation of everything he's been experiencing and i really wanted to share that with you guys i really want everyone to just imagine if this was you i mean where would you turn and has this man not taken every step to seek help because, you know, you what do you say? Unless you see some sort of evidence, you're just, you're going to think that this man's in psychosis. So, dude, I'm praying for you. Thanks for sending me the email. And hopefully somebody out there who listens to this could um, contact me and I could put you guys in touch and somebody can, can help you. Otherwise, um, I wish you the best. Or you are an excellent science fiction writer and uh, kudos because I was fooled and it, It was pretty weird, and it scared me a lot. So to go along with the things that are in our mind that are become our reality, let's talk thought forms. Our imagination is much more powerful than many of us realize or recognize. Could you imagine creating a special friend? Any features or characteristic you'd like? What if it could do things for you? According to Wikipedia, a tulpa is a mystical concept that something can be created through one's mind. It comes from a Tibetan srulpa, emanation or a manifestation of a spirit form for example like an imaginary friend a sentient being and somewhat autonomous indian buddhism there's a buddhist text that speaks of a mind made body able to travel to other realms so using through using um disciplined concentration you can create this thought form that could operate independent of you The thought form term was coined in 1927 in Evan Wentz's translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And there is a Reddit community of what they call tulpa mancers. And there have been surveys based on or been done on that and the demographics and the characteristics of these people. Uh, For example, like some of them seem to be lonely and have some social anxieties. Now, the Business Insider did this interesting article. It was titled, What is it's actually like to hear voices in your head? And it talks about the cultural stigma of mental illness. And this article says, Tulpa Mansi isn't a mental health concern because it's seen as therapeutic. This article interviews a, a Tulpa Manser named Jacob. He's 20 years old. He's a psychology student. And Jacob and this purple pony, Ori, that's her name, inhabit Jacob's body. So a side note, many tulpamancers are like bronies. Have you heard of a brony? 
those are the guys that really got into the My Little Pony cartoon that was like the newer one that was on TV pretty recently. And they like idolized these these ponies and they would make tulpas out of these ponies. It's pretty interesting. So Ori, this pony that Jacob has, is a bat pony. Creating a tulpa is somewhat of an escape and an opportunity for engagement with others. It's a form of connecting with other people when you're unable to. Jacob comes from a military family and all the moving was hard. So he created Ori to stick with him and as a friend, as a permanent friend of sorts. So connection seems to be the motive. And there is an evolutionary need for community. And this is what would make this more of like a, a normal urge to have. There seems to be a switch in which this tulpa inhabits Jacob's body. It's very much like a possession. He describes this very well, that it comes in through the feet and moves its way up into the body into the brain where he hears his voice move to the back of his consciousness and the pony's voice moves to the front. He says that hearing voices isn't thought as as being unhealthy. It's only when the person hearing them becomes distressed does it become unhealthy. So for example, let's look back at our little email we got. That guy was really distressed because of those voices he was hearing, wasn't he? This guy, Jacob, talks about some difficulty with his family, and there were several visits to a clinical psychologist in which he was looked at for schizophrenia. That wasn't the case, as he was using meditation and a discipline art to manifest Ori. An interesting quote from this article is what he says is, nothing you do is truly private, but that's not a bad thing. It means that you're being held accountable by someone who cares for you and looks out for you. So these... uh, I want to call, keep calling them necromancers, but they're not bronymancers, but tul- tulpamancers. They're bullied by trolls online. People make fun of them. But there are some positive traits because they seem to be enthusiastic and s- sincere, he says, which I, I would agree with that. I think that it's a really creative way to be. And, you know, if this, they're, they're being completely honest in their forums. Let them be. We talked about trolls before. We don't, we don't do that. All in all, the tulpa seems to be helping Jacob care for himself, and be a better person in the world. If we knew Jacob and knew his presence in the world, we would be able to see if creating a tulpa can be a benefit to the world. So what about the warnings of opening up to demonic force, right? That's something pretty culturally ingrained in my experience is the, the looming dangers of making yourself vulnerable to the ethereal realm and what may be lurking in it. Only Jacob's experience can tell us this. Now, savagemind.org has a 2016 article about the Tulpamancer craze online. The author's name is Ben Joff, and he talks about, you know, this is accomplished through concentration and visualization, and there's a thing, such a thing is called active forcing and passive forcing. I guess active forcing is where you conscientiously um, make things happen with your tulpa or passive forcing is allowing the tulpa to do things on its own. I'm not really sure. They didn't really clarify that and that there is this narration that happens and that sometimes that they can meet in these places called wonderlands, which are mindscapes or an environment that has been especially designed in order to interact with your tulpa on another realm. And then like we discussed before, there's this thing called switching, which is a type of possession in which you allow the tulpa to take over your body. Now, historically, the tulpa is a semi-autonomous thing created by one or more people. 
very popular in Western esoteric and esotericism and occultists practice this a lot. It also discusses the dangers of thought forms and elementals. Now, when you think about elementals, they are definitely independent beings and there is a real threat there. Now, here we are, pop culture, you've got this Tulpa Mancy and these TV shows. Well, this author of this article from Savage Mind is an anthropologist. It's really brilliant. He goes into the argument of Tibetan versus non-Tibetan origins of the Tulpa, and he says both are rich for material for popularizing and secularizing of esoteric knowledge, mass meditation, and collective effect as well as a policing of imagination or what is known to be imaginary. The author emphasizes where in Tibetan tantric Buddhism involves practices like dream yoga, which falls under the six dharmas of Naropa that requires intentional creation and animation of beings, images of yidams. I think that's what they're called, yidams. In fact, tulpa, srupa, isn't the proper term. That could be used to describe other things. So the artwork in this article is really good, and notice there is an emphasis on the metaphysical self, in which is what's better described as the sprulpa versus the yidams, because the yidams are supposed to be different, I guess. Western magic has often used bodily fluids to create artificial spirits, and ritual magicians create others like tulpas. For example, if anybody remembers the Slender Man thing in 2014, two 12-year-old girls attempted to stab their schoolmate to death as a sacrifice to this entity. They got the idea off a creepypasta, and there was a similar character on Supernatural called Thin Man that had aired just a couple months before this had happened. The writer goes into great detail, and it's a really long and good read. I suggest everybody checks it out. Now, next and last is Luke meyer.com it's actually lukewymeyer.com he does this little blog with a video or actually a blog with a vlog and he's talking and he's he's discussing it and in this little article he lays out how to simply do it yourself using a psychic self-abandonment it will get its energy from your brain but it could it could also once it's created through you can begin to draw its energy from its external world. It, it serves as sort of a psychological complex, psychological complex. It's intentional, adaptive, and often helpful to the soul. Simply, he says it's sage work, which I really, that really stuck out to me. It's really interesting. He says there's a difference when magicians do it because chaos magicians have a methodology. He says there's four stages of development on what's called the thought form continuum. Number one, is you draw a sigil. You have to look it up. He says usually it's a monogram. Look up a sigil. It's really simple. It's just like a, a symbol you draw. You you draw it out and then you empower it. You implant your desire, which is called charging. And if you can reach a Gnostic state in which you're in an altered state, which is self-induced and you hyperfixate on this sigil and give it its energy. The next stage would be it becomes a servitor. And this is like a, a kind of an animation practice in which you feed it, you make demands of it, and you kind of play with it. Once it matures, it becomes an egregore, which we've talked about all these things before, but I did not know that this was the, the sequence of development. <laughs> so it's a mature servitor. Examples of an egregore would be the boogeyman, but it can also be a positive thing. 
And number four, the last stage of a tulpa, or a chaos magician's tulpa, would be the god form, which would be like examples like the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny, which everybody knows and loves or is terrified of. So that's basically the the rundown of a, a personally created thought form. I thought everybody would be interested in that. Okay, every week I have somebody that I mention in my guest spot. Technically, I don't have any real guests right now because I can't coordinate with people. But I would like to mention somebody that I've been following pretty intensely, especially this last year. His name is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We all know him as Bobby Kennedy's kid. He leads this foundation called the Children's Defense Foundation.org. I will put a link in the show notes for him. Go check that out. Get on their mailing list and follow him on his socials. He does quite a few interviews. He's really taken the bull by the horns with this whole big pharma thing, and he's really trying to protect the world's kids from any kind of insidious agendas. So if if you're familiar with him, awesome. If not, go check him out. If you don't agree with him, that's cool too. Just wanted to put it out there is that I'm really admiring what he's taken on. As we bask in the reckoning of 2020, some people might want to look at what type of strength they've exhibited. So Inward Survival School of Magic is bringing you a cute little article from lifehack.org called 17 Things Emotionally Strong People Do Not Do. thought that it was pretty charming. Number one, they don't beg for attention. Emotional strength means confidence, and confident people don't need to constantly be the center of attention. They're comfortable in their own skin. Two, they don't allow others to bring them down. Three, they don't stop believing in themselves. Four, they're not afraid to love, which means they're not afraid to be vulnerable at times. Five, they're not afraid of slowing down. Six, they refuse to be a victim of circumstance. It also, it, ref, being strong means refusing to make excuses. Leave the past behind you and focus on getting a little better every day. Seven, they don't have a problem saying no to people. This is probably one of the most important things you'll ever say to anybody, is to tell them no. Eight, they don't back down from challenges. They see challenges as opportunities to grow and improve their life. Nine, they don't do things they don't want to do. To keep your sanity intact, you do what you love and you follow your bliss and get rid of all those baggage and commitments that make you unhappy. Number 10, they don't forget that happiness is a decision. We have to realize that we have full control over whether or not we're happy. Typically, you need to choose a life of simplicity, productivity, and passion, it says. 11, they do not waste time. Number 12, they aren't afraid to ask for help. Can't all do it alone. We have to ask for help sometimes. Number 13, they don't hold themselves back. It says self-handicapping is a common trait among emotionally weak people. This means that you would make excuses and find ways to justify your inadequacy instead of finding ways to improve upon them. If you want to change something, stop holding yourself back. Number 14, they don't mind working a little harder than everyone else. Number 15, they don't overreact to things beyond their control. 16, they aren't content with a mediocre life. 17, they never, ever give up. That's your seed of wisdom today, folks. Use those things to your advantage. Our stoic thought for this week is from Mark Twain. 
He says, Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Take that with you for your week, folks, and happy 2021.